This is a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of Property Patter, where we are talking all things life sciences, looking back on 2022 and forward to 2023 in this very exciting real estate asset class. My name is Louise Ward and I head up the real estate life sciences practice here at CRS. I'm very pleased today to be joined by two friends of the firm who know all about this area and I'll allow them to introduce themselves now. Hello Louise, hi Matt. Um, I'm Orestes Georgioglou, I'm the Vice President for Development for Biomed Realty. Uh, we're a specialist landlord and developer in the area of life sciences uh, with a global portfolio of uh, over 15 million square feet across a number of geographies. Uh, and we've been in the UK for about 10 years now, uh, developing real estate primarily in Cambridge. My name is Matt Smith and I head up Office and Life Science Agency at DTRE. Uh, for listeners that don't know, DTRE are a market-leading business-based consultancy who provide sector specialist strategic advice to clients across industrial, office and life science sectors. Brilliant. Thank you both. Thank you both for joining me. Um, so let's start with reflections on 2022, which in my world seems a long time ago now. But um, let's start with, with you, Matt, if you wouldn't mind. Um, what would you say was the most significant deal in the UK life sciences space last year? And why have you chosen that one? Thanks, Louise. I think it's a really interesting question. Um, for me, the most interesting deal last year was the JV between Canary Wall Group and Cadan Science Partners, where they've agreed to deliver north of 800,000 square foot of purpose-built labs in a 23-storey building. Um, I think it's interesting for a number of reasons, not least because the fact that Cadans have JV'd with a traditional office owner really demonstrates the appeal of the life science sector and its sort of becoming of a more established asset class. I think the fact that they're delivering 800,000 square foot effectively campus, but in one building is, you know, a real testament to their belief and commitment to the sector. And finally, I think the fact that it's happening in Canary Wharf is fantastic because it opens up London and gives another life science ecosystem for occupiers to consider. Thanks, Matt. And uh, obviously a very exciting deal for them. Um, just following on from that, obviously that's a London market deal. Um, Arrestis, Biomed are very strong in Cambridge, but what's your view on the other life sciences markets um, in the UK at the moment? Well, thank you, Louise. Um, Yes, to, to Matt's point, uh, which is Cambridge, we've been active here for over 10 years. Uh, it's a um, uh, internationally renowned market. Uh, it has been going for the uh, best part of uh, 30 to 40 years, obviously with the early inception of the Cambridge Science Park in the 1970s, uh, but has been growing um, year on year since. Um, uh, so it, I think it's um, somewhat ahead, if I may say so, you know, it's certainly on the life science front compared to other markets, but uh, these other markets are catching up uh, at a very fast pace. You know, we've seen um, the Golden Triangle uh, with Oxford and London in recent years um, uh, growing as well uh, in the life science field. Um, obviously, Oxford uh, has seen substantial level of investment, both in real estate terms, but also in VC funding, um, a lot of um, companies growing there as well. 
And of course, London has been um, extremely successful, uh, not least, of course, of its appeal as an international hub, um, uh, but also from a life science field, we've seen a number of um, uh, clusters emerging around the knowledge quarter uh, with the Francis Crick Institute, um, UCL, UCLH, a number of businesses setting up uh, there as well, uh, with, with Merck most recently announcing um, their uh, R&D center there, which is a substantial investment, um, but also markets around um, uh, sort of West London, you've got Imperial, uh, the very strong presence there um, and, and indeed um, uh, London Bridge Quarter, uh, again an emerging cluster and Matt mentioned of course other markets now also growing you know the likes of Canary Wharf uh, and, and elsewhere so um, we're certainly seeing um, a lot of strengths coming forward uh, across these markets as well um, which is great for UK PLC of course in the life science field as it's uh, strengthening our position globally uh, when it comes to competing with other centres. Yeah, absolutely. And and what's the demand been like um, in the last year, Matt, from occupiers? And, and are they looking at particular locations and demanding particular locations? Uh, I mean, consistent with everything that Orestes has just touched on, really, um, the demand has been strong uh, throughout the year. and you know, across the the golden triangle, there's not so much inquiry schedules as waiting lists. You know, in Cambridge, we're tracking over a million square foot of active named tenant demand for, well, as built availability of zero. Um, it's a similar story in London and it's a similar story in Oxford, albeit the demand, uh, the depth of demand isn't quite as great as, as Cambridge. But I think if you kind of take a step back and follow the money, the, the, the reason that the demand is so strong across the Golden Triangle is because sort of over the past five years, 69% of all funding raised for companies in the sector goes into companies that are based in either Oxford, Cambridge or, or London. And the reason that they are based in Oxford, Cambridge or London is because across those three uh, cities, you have five of the top 20 universities in the world. Uh, what that means is that there's an unrivaled depth of talent for staff, but it also means there's an unrivaled depth of IP creation uh, and, and spin out activity. So, you know, the good ideas come from the top five universities in the world. They are ably supported by some uh, existing sort of life science infrastructure. Arrestis mentioned Merck, you've got AstraZeneca in um, Cambridge. And the, you know, the, the, the ecosystem kind of becomes symbiotic and almost feeds itself. You know, looking forward to 2023, we expect that this demand will remain robust because there is a fairly limited supply side sort of developments that will be delivered in the next 12 to 24 months. And are you seeing occupier needs and wants changing? Um, not really. Um, because there is so much activity in the sector across the Golden Triangle, majority of the uh, occupiers that we speak to have talent attraction and retention as their highest priority and so 
what that means is that they are likely to be more drawn to spaces which are highly amenitized and sort of prioritize that workspace experience above and beyond just providing a sort of a, a technically capable building. Uh, Biomed and Arrestis um, are genuinely pioneers in delivering this sort of um, sort of uh, this sort of space, uh, and have done so, you know, across many markets in the states and and in Cambridge. And in doing so, they managed to, you know, tenants are prepared to pay for the best space because it helps their business case as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a trend that we're seeing actually across uh, different real estate asset classes, that, that kind of flight to quality and the, and the space that you're working in being much more than just a workspace, but have amenity and social value as well. So, so a trend, I suspect, will continue. Um, another trend that we're, we're seeing a lot of at the moment is, is the focus on sustainability. So Arrestis, I, I wonder if that focus now has changed how things have been done this past year compared to previous years and how that might have impacted developments that you're working on. Yes, I mean, we, we have seen um, a significantly higher focus in this field, um, certainly over the past few years, I think it's becoming um, more of a driver these days uh, with the way that it is being reported uh, and, and the metrics of using measuring the impact it has. Um, I think if we look around us, um, you know, this past year, certainly in the UK has been the hottest on record, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, long periods of drought, you know, so, uh, you know, when we're talking about sustainability and climate change, you know, this is uh, something that is impacting our lives on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and of course, real estate being a significant uh, contributor when it comes to carbon emission reductions uh, as a driver um, uh, ought to be at the forefront on, on how we provide solutions to this. Um, and, and for us, it is um, something that we feel very strongly about. Um, you know, we, we continue looking at ways of um, uh, delivering assets uh, within our existing pipeline that are at the forefront of uh, sustainability and innovation, uh, but also indeed when it comes to uh, retrofitting existing assets and providing solutions um, that uh, will stand the test of time. Um, and we've done that uh, across the most recent developments where we have set out a uh, an ambitious Briam uh, excellent rating as, as a target for all our um, ground up construction at the moment in the UK, um, and indeed looking at uh, well-being as well as part of that uh, with a well gold as a minimum. Um, but but um, sticking with sustainability for a second, you know, we, we continue monitoring and reporting through GRESP uh, all our uh, uh, existing portfolio uh, drivers on an annual basis. Um, you know, we've uh, reported this past year for the first time with a very strong score, uh, I'm pleased to say. Um, but we continue challenging our designers, our supply chain, even our occupiers in, in adapting our um, needs and habits um, to be able to um, respond to the challenge. Um, and I think that is something, as I said, that is one of the core values uh, for Biomed. And, and certainly a trend that I would expect to, to continue that, that focus on ESG across, across the market. Um, maybe a slightly related question, but how, Arrestis, how has the market been responding to the challenge of inflation on costs? It's, um, it's certainly been a, a tricky variable that has been introduced. Um, 
uh, I think uh, for all of us uh, around this table, uh, but also appears in industry, you know, uh, we haven't experienced inflation of this scale uh, in our lifetimes. Uh, you know, it's been more than 40 years that we've seen uh, inflation hitting these heights. Um, and it is a systemic risk of course that we have to factor into um, our um, uh, review and especially as it affects um, construction uh, and refurbishment projects of which we have a few ongoing at present. So um, it has been a challenge. Um, I think um, what we have focused on is continuing working with our supply chain with whom we have fostered very strong relationships over the years to make sure that they remain resilient uh, within this very turbulent environment. Uh, continue sourcing materials, you know, from uh, sources that we trust and we've worked with uh, for a long time, making adaptations where possible um, to uh, try and uh, address this issue. Um, but, you know, there's no uh, way of, of addressing it unilaterally. I think it is something that we're all uh, grappling with uh, at a market-wide basis. Um, we are fortunate enough to be well capitalized, uh, to have a very long outlook uh, from an investment standpoint, um, uh, which which helps us uh, in the way that we position ourselves. Um, but indeed, it is a variable that has been introduced in the mix alongside, of course, the increase in the cost of capital, you know, through the interest rates from, um, you know, um, global banks, um, and uh, that is indeed something that we need to continue monitoring. I think it will um, uh, continue being a challenge in, in the year ahead as well. Yeah, I think that's absolutely my expectation as well. And, and Matt, how are you seeing that come through into, into rents? Or have you seen that inflationary pressure come through into rents? Um, and and how, how are rents looking now uh, since 2021 and, and, and looking forward into 2023? What are your expectations there? Well, I mean, I think it, it's quite hard to to sort of unpick and disambiguate the inflationary, the systemic inflationary pressures that Orestes has talked about and the structural imbalances between supply and demand that we've touched on already. Um, you know, the combination of both has meant that, you know, we are expecting to see uh, pretty robust rental growth across the Golden Triangle. I mean, the although deals are deals are being agreed north of 60 65 pounds a square foot in oxford and cambridge and comfortably north of 110 115 pounds in london um what is interesting there if we just pause is that this doesn't appear to have been uh, or put a dampener on the level of demand and life science companies are still happy to to pay to be in the best buildings um you know but to, to to give some context to those figures in 2021 the high water mark in cambridge was 48 pound 50. it was about 47 pound 50 in oxford and london was around about 70 75 pounds a square foot so that you know that is quite a a dramatic jump across all, all three markets um but not to the extent that tenants are walking away, which is encouraging news for, again, all of us around the table, quite frankly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, and, and we've probably already started to touch on it, but let's look forward now to, to 2023. Um, we, we were two or three weeks in now. Um, Matt, what do you think the outlook is like for the sector in this coming year? Um, 
I, I remain very bullish. Um, I think what we may start to see is uh, that the ease that some of the tenants have enjoyed about raising funding uh, will sort of tail off slightly. You know, in a higher interest rate environment, a VC sort of bet on a biotech firm is is perceived as pretty high risk in a almost risk off environment. So I think the the fact that these companies might not be able to raise capital um, as swiftly as they have otherwise enjoyed over the past, I suppose, five years may it means we may see an element of capital preservation creeping in. Um, and so actually, you know, do they need to spend £150 a square foot in London to be in the absolute best place? Or can they kind of take a slightly more cost effective lease in maybe a not the knowledge quarter for argument's sake, but in doing so extend their runway as a company and give them another 12 months to hit that research milestone. So I think that will be an interesting uh, one to see how that pans out. But more broadly, you know, from an investment perspective, um, we have um, we we have just exchanged on a sale that we bought to market before um, Christmas, and there was a strong level of interest, good levels of bidding from an occupier perspective. You know, the, the demand is still out there. Companies are still expanding. They're still looking to expand. You know, the, the, the three really strong years of fundraising, all of that demand is baked in. You know, the companies have raised this money already. It's sitting on their balance sheets and they just need the real estate to enable them to hire more to grow. So, yeah, positive outlook, generally speaking, from me. Positive outlook. That's good to hear. Um, and, and looking at the other side of the coin, Arrestis, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for life sciences developers in 2023? I think I think we touched upon a few of these uh, variables already, Louise. Uh, we talked about inflation, you know, continuing, which of course will, I think, be one of the challenges that we will have to face. Um, I think uh, the rising cost of capital, and, and I must correct myself, I did say global banks, I, I should have said global central banks earlier, I'm sure our listeners to pick that one up as well. Um, uh, indeed, the lack of uh, supply, I think, would be another challenge for, for the occupational market. Uh, Matt touched upon that and the sort of um, uh, very low vacancy rates across the um, golden triangle markets there. Um, and, and indeed, I think what we find as well is as we are looking uh, closer to the uh, driver for sustainable spaces, you know, that will become, uh, I think, one of the core um, uh, discussion points for occupiers. You know, so how do we provide quality spaces, but at the same time make sure that they are truly providing innovations and sustainable solutions that will stand the test of time? Uh, and you know, certainly in our discussions with tenants, this is becoming increasingly important and indeed a deciding factor uh, when they're choosing spaces. You know, so I think as we look at real estate, whether that is designing new spaces or retrofitting existing assets um you know whereas previously it was a nice to have i think it's becoming now an essential part of the uh, of the delivery i would agree with that restus i think it what it really does is highlight uh, the importance of delivering the correctly designed and correctly specified building you know if you shoot too 
if you over design it you're going to spend too much money and it won't work from the sort of developer's perspective and if you undercook it and sort of scrimp on the the foundation the, the basics of the building from a life science perspective then you're going to struggle to get it let and similarly it's not going to work for the developer so you, you know you really have to go for that goldilocks just right approach definitely a tricky balance isn't it and and things seem to have settled down um, in recent weeks but but matt do you think the political situation in the uk matters or makes a big difference to this sector um i think that the need for a, a life science sector and sort of pioneering and innovative biotech companies persists beyond any global political turmoil. Um, I think that for the UK, Brexit has meant that the access to talent has, has definitely taken a hit. It is slightly harder to bring in these scientists. Um, that being said, I think the government absolutely recognises the importance of the sector to UK PLC and is doubling down on sort of the innovation clustering sector and the technologies and IP that the, the UK has historically and traditionally been so strong in. Uh, the government recognises this and it's really supporting it from, from that level, which I think is, is great news. Yeah, absolutely. Um, final question for you, Orestes. Um, I know that Biomed have got a lot on at the moment, but which upcoming development are you most excited about? Well, thank you, Louisa. Great plug uh, to uh, talk about uh, some of the um, recently acquired um, uh, sites uh, that we're bringing forward this year. Um, you know, uh, we've uh, been very um, uh, busy in the last couple of years uh, expanding our platform here in the UK. Uh, very uh, fortunate last year to obtain uh, three planning permissions uh, in Cambridge, which enable us to effectively double up our um, presence here, uh, taking it from 1 million to 2 million square feet over the next few years. Um, we've got three sites um, about to um, uh, go into construction, uh, zone two at Granta Park, uh, where we're bringing um, about uh, 350,000 square feet of real estate to the market, uh, hopefully starting very soon on that one. Um, uh, indeed, site one um, at Granta Park, uh, which is also uh, due to commence construction uh, later this year. Uh, that's another 100,000 square feet. Um, and CATP, which is um, a unique opportunity to deliver a new campus uh, in Cambridge, um, uh, working alongside Matt and his team on that one, um, where we're looking to deliver 500,000 square feet uh, of fit um, for purpose, uh, market leading um, life science accommodation uh, in, in a setting that is um, you know, very close to the, the city centre. So very excited about that as well. Excellent. And we're very much looking forward to working with you on those as well. Well, thank you for that. Um, it's very clear to me and I'm sure to all of our listeners that life sciences is going to continue to be a fascinating sector to watch in the real estate market in 2023 and we're very much looking forward to continuing our work in the area. I'd like to thank both my guests Orestes and Matt for their time today and for providing such useful insight. That's all from this episode of Property Patter. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. This is a Charles Russell Speechlease podcast. 